Mark 14, 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I just wanted to focus on uh, verse 25, that this was the last time, because this is Passover, right? And this was the last time Jesus had Passover with them. And he instituted the communion meal that we're doing now. And uh, then he said, uh, one of the other, I think it's the Gospel of John, says that he's looking forward to do this again with us in the kingdom of God. So here we are, we're sitting at this table, and Jesus is looking forward to do this, do this with us. So it's very rich in meaning. It's not a ritual. Uh, it's not just a formality institution that has very rich meaning. It's, it's really our whole salvation message, the gospel message, uh, summarized in this meal. Uh, it's all in there. The blood of Jesus that was shed, his body that was broken apart. Uh, to take the punishment for our sins, when God judged him for our sins, and uh, his blood that ushered in the new covenant with God, which is an amazing thing. Uh, we should talk about covenant when they just focus on it, but it is, it is an agreement or a, a covenant, an agreement where two parties become one. There is a unity there that cannot be broken because of covenant. Covenant cannot be broken. So the way God looks at it, he sees us as one with him. Uh, we don't always do the same because we don't have a deeper understanding of what the covenant really means. But it unites us with God. And what is so pow powerful about it is whatever he has becomes ours. It's the covenant. You know, uh, right now on the earth, the only covenant we make as humans is marriage, uh, where two become one. And so when we marry, whatever I had was hers, and what she had was mine. You know, we, it's, it's not a question of this is mine and that's yours. No, it's all ours. And so we have that covenant with God that we have access to what God has. And I think there's a bit of a missing link there in, in most of the teaching we receive uh, in, in churches, because that, uh, that, that ignorance keeps the church weak, because we don't know what we have. And because we don't know what we have, we don't put our faith out to embrace it and take possession of it. So there's a missing link there, and something that we really uh, need to talk about. But, but this is what happened when Jesus said, this, my blood, is the new covenant with God. Covenant's always sealed with blood. And uh, it puts us in, in a victorious position right away, because we, we're united with God. Now we read in the Old Testament, when David made, and Jonathan made a covenant, the two of them. And so Jonathan gave, he was the king's son at that time, Saul's son. And so Jonathan gave him, gave to David his, his bow and his sword and stuff like that. So whenever David walked out there in the community, everybody saw this, you better not touch this guy. If you touch him, you touch the king's house. So you leave him alone. See, that's the strength of covenant. And now we have this covenant, and I think he gave him his robe, which is uh, quite interesting because God clothed us with his righteousness. Not our righteousness, we don't have any righteousness, but he clothes us with his righteousness. 
And that's what he sees when he looks at us. Um, so through the death of Christ on the cross, a lot of wealth came to us, spiritual wealth came to us, strength came to us. Uh, so many things that God, that Jesus accomplished for us at the cross became available to us. Problem is, we never really went digging to find out what, what's in that treasure, you know, which is just uh, something vague that, that, that people don't really know what it is. But it is something that we as Christians need to investigate and find out who we are in Christ and what has been freely given to us in Him. And then we can start living up to become that new creature that God uh, created us uh, in Christ. So, um, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, spoke about this table. Quickly want to go there. First Corinthians chapter eleven. And uh, verse twenty-three. First Corinthians chapter eleven and verse twenty-three. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. It's interesting that he says that because Paul wasn't there. Uh, Paul wasn't there when, when Jesus instituted the communion table. But he says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So he received these instructions from Jesus himself. Uh, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So, proclaiming the Lord's death uh, also by default means proclaiming our salvation because his death brought us life, eternal life. Let's take our bread. It says, on the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And uh, he said, uh, this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me. So we eat this bread, do we, doing exactly that, to remember the price that Jesus paid on the cross. That was broken in our place so that we can be whole. So let's all eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I always find it interesting that uh, it's, it's, it's a very sacred institution, but it's not a sad institution. There always seems to be a sadness that hangs over the congregation when you sit at the communion table. But really it is a celebration. Because we celebrate something very big here. And so when we take this cup, and we think of that covenant and what it means to us, that relationship with God, that unity with God, that cannot be broken, uh, that that is reason to celebrate. So when we drink this cup, that's what we do. We celebrate that unity uh, with God. And that, was, that Jesus was willing to pay that price and shed his blood so that we could be free. Let's all drink together. Thank you, God, for your son Jesus and for all that you have done for us. Jesus on the cross. The depths of your sacrifice. We do not understand. Help us to go in the direction that you would have us, to know all that 
beautiful things that you've accomplished for us on the cross through your, your finished work that we can rest assured that we will have a home with you and that we can always trust in the covenant that God has made with us through your sacrifice. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What we stand to do in uh, we talk about about these things that uh, to think about this uh, wealth that we receive from uh, through the death of Christ. When we go to First Corinthians chapter two. And, uh, from verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, there's the, there's the treasure. Now look at verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, see, that is what, what sets you off on that treasure hunt, is that we can know. God wants us to know the things that have been freely given to us by God. But the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us. And it's in the Scripture. And as we, we study the Scriptures, we, we make discoveries. We make amazing discoveries. And I don't think we've, we'll ever come to the end of it, but there is a treasure that's available to us. We just need to go find it. But it's there. And uh, we can do a lot of digging, and the more digging we do, the more we'll find. Okay, so um, we, uh, we're talking about, continue talking about prayer uh, this morning. And today we're going to talk about prayer and the Word of God. Now, the best way to stay in the will of God in your prayer life is to pray the Word of God. Pray what's in the, in the Scriptures. Now, the Word of God, as you know, reveals the will of God. So when you begin to pray the Word of God, you in the center of the will of God. Remember, God made a lot of promises. Uh, we read of what Jesus accomplished at the cross, like Isaiah 53, that we've been through a while back. Uh, these are all things that became available to us when Jesus died on the cross. And uh, knowing them guide us into the will of God. So God made those promises to reveal his will for us. That's what God wants us to have. That's why he made the promise. Uh, also, this, uh, the Bible shows us how God thinks. Now, that's a big deal, <laughs> to know how God thinks. Now, he doesn't think the way we do, and that's the problem. There's a huge gap between the thoughts of God and our thoughts. And he's not going to make the adjustment we need to. <laughs> and he wants us to come up to his level of thinking. And uh, to do that, uh, we need a bridge. And the Word of God is the bridge. It shows us how God sees things, how he thinks. And the more we get into it, the more it will change the way we think. Help us to stay in the will of God. 
Now, we have our natural way of thinking. It is very different from God's way of thinking. It's almost a complete opposite of the way God thinks. And it's, it's, it's amazing to make these discoveries. I've, in, in years gone by, I stumbled on some things that were very opposite from the way I saw things, very, very opposite, contrary. And to, to make that adjustment was quite an exercise. Uh, and sure enough, when you start doing what God tells you to do, things change around you. Uh, there's no question about it. So uh, I said we're going to talk about principles, and I'm working on a piece that I will end out at some point. And you'll find a, a nice thread there of how to make those discoveries. But that is, that is one of the main uh, processes that we go through when we become Christians, when we are born again, is to renew our minds. Uh, we read about it, and I will continue mentioning these verses over and over and over again. Romans 12, verse 2. Uh, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's how you will know the will of God. So there's a transformation process. It's not a, it's not a switch that you flip. It's a process where you've got to unlearn your old ways of thinking and doing and relearn God's ways. <coughs> now, we might still get to it, but uh, you know that you cannot change the way you live unless you change the way you think. It's foolishness to think that you're going to change your life without changing the way you think. That's not, not going to happen. And even if it happens, it's going to happen for a day or two. <laughs> and that's it. So staying in the Word of God is really very important uh, for us to do. And so the Word of God is the bridge across this huge chasm that is between God's thoughts and our thoughts. Now, have here in the notes a quote from Isaiah 55, verses 7 to 11, that I want to read. And we need to look very carefully at this, because this is exactly our problem. Says, let the wicked forsake his way. The, the way is your lifestyle, the way you live. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's good news. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, that's, that's the problem right there. You know, you, you cannot, we cannot walk with God if the way we see things is so different from the way he sees things. You know, there's going to be, I don't want to say a quarrel, but <laughs> there's going to be some differences there that, that, that cannot be solved unless we adapt the way we think to his way of thinking. So now he gives the uh, solution to that problem. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, that is, this little passage is something that we really uh, need to have in our hearts and minds. Because that, that, that's exactly where the issue is and why we fail and why we, we just struggle to live in victory. 
uh, we miss God, we miss Him. And you see, the thing is like this, if you, if you break God's principles, you can pray all you want, nothing's going to happen, because you're in disobedience, you're in disagreement with God. You can pray all you want. That's why we have so many unanswered prayers. We, 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 we're not on the same, I don't want to say on the same level, but we're not, we're not walking down the same path. It's, there's too big a gap there. So, and, and many of the things we, we pray for, you don't really need to pray for. All you need to do is obey the Word of God, then it will fall into place. There's a lot of things people pray for that we shouldn't pray for. Uh, all you need to do is apply God's principles, and that principle, and here we go, I'm, I'm stepping into it already. The principle contains blessing and curse within it. And if you apply the principle, it will bless you. But if you break the principle, in fact, you cannot break the principle, but the principle will break you. And that's the problem. Sure. Can you give an example of what you mean by the things that we shouldn't pray, pray for and the principle like this? Because I'm having a hard time conceptualizing yes. it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I've not given examples because I'm going to zoom in on that whole topic in okay. great detail. <laughs> but but if you look at... So go to my quick reference Bible. Okay. And Luke... I think it's chapter 6. Let's go there. Luke chapter 6. I think it's chapter 6. And what was the scripture on Isaiah? What numbers? Uh, 55. 55? 7 through 11. Okay. Luke 6. So I'm going to read... I'm just going to read this. You'll pick it up. It's very clear language. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 27. Uh, this is just a good chapter because there's so much of it in this one little passage. But you'll find it all through Scripture, especially in the book of Proverbs and in Psalms. It's all through Scripture. So once you begin to identify them, we'll be quick to pick them up. And we're going to look at that later on. Okay, uh, Luke 6, verse 27. But I say to you, who hear, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. See, that's how God sees things. Not how we see things. No. Not how we see things. But that's, that's how God sees things. Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Difficult. See, the thinking is totally different, foreign to us. To him who strikes you on the, cheek, on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him takes away your goods, do not ask them back. So one big thing you're going to pick up here is give. Mm -hmm. The whole gospel rests on this one, it's like an upside down pyramid at the bottom is give. And that's the very thing we have trouble with, <laughs> is giving. It's not in our nature, we like to work, but God gives. So let's go on. Verse 32. No. 30. 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. 
And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Don't miss that little word, reward. There's a reward I'm giving. Uh, one thing that I've learned from this passage is you give what you want. You give what you want. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, if, if you want friends, you must be friendly. See? So you give. You give friendship. Then you gain friendship. You know, this little uh, principle that we, that we apply without thinking about it. So if you feel you have no energy, you go exercise, you jog, you go run, and you build energy. What are you doing? You give what you want. Right? You give what you want. Verse 36. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So you first forgive, and then you'll be forgiven. Jesus even said, if you don't forgive those who sin against you, God will not forgive you. Very, 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 very important principle here. Verse 38. Now look at this. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. See, these are all principles. These are all principles, you know, which we begin to do what we read. This is just one little passage. So that's the way God thinks. That's the way God thinks. And the reason why I say there are some things that you don't pray for, you find a whole lot of them right here in this passage. Uh, you do, if you want people to do good to you, you, you do good to them. You apply that principle. Be generous. Be friendly. Be good. Be merciful. Be forgiving. And then there's a reward. And that reward is big. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus talks, talks about it, and, and even Paul. And I don't want to go too far off track here, but uh, Jesus talks about his own death before he went to the cross, he said, it's like a seed that falls into the ground. If it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't die, it stays alone. No reward, no increase. But if it dies, if it's sown, the moment you've sown that seed, it's gone. Can't get it back. If it's sown and it dies, it multiplies itself. See, it's, it's a principle that we need to get after in our thinking. And so that's why I'm saying there are some things all you need to do is apply the principles and then the rewards will come. You do it in faith, of course. But, yeah, you need faith to do it. Let me tell you that. It's not going to come from your nature. You, you've got to use faith to, to do that. Uh, and then the rewards come. Jesus said it himself. There are rewards. So we, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an area of thinking that's not, a, not spoken of very often, but it's very important. It's very, very important. And we, we don't want to, to have a prayer life that is empty, that is powerless, that has no results at all. And so when we, we, we focus on the Word of God when we pray, 
then uh, we're going to create prayers that will have results. Because we know the will of God. We stay within His will. And we have strong promises, and as we touched on last time, we, we can do it again. First job, while we're at. Yes. And also before you go there, uh, Matthew 6, uh, Kathy, you know, uh, uh, the word yes. says clearly, we should not worry what we're going to eat or drink yes. or put on. And how many times, you know, we pray for, um, you know, pray for new clothes or pray for Yeah, we like worry that. about things. And um, we worry about it, but God said, our Father knows we need this. Yeah, things. so these are things that, that I... Personally, I, I don't pray for, for stuff like that. And I've learned that lesson years ago when we were missionaries. Yeah. And we didn't have a fixed income, and we really lived by faith. And uh, I learned that lesson, that the, the things I worry about, I, I, need, I need to stop worrying about it. Because God, see, when God orders something, you'll pay for it. Yeah. And so we felt that he ordered us to be missionaries, and he took care of it. He paid. So it's a lesson we learned way back then at that time. First John chapter 5. It's the back of the Bible. And you really need to underline and color this verse. Color. Underline, color, circle, whatever you need to do. 514 and 15. It says, 1 John chapter 5. Okay. And verse 14. Okay. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. But if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. It's pointless to pray for things outside the word of God. It's pointless. Now don't think it narrows things down. You'll be surprised to see how wide the will of God is for us, and how much it contains, much more than we think about. Okay, so praying in the will of God uh, is key uh, in prayer. So the only way you can change your ways is to change the way, change the way you think. And you do it by renewing your mind to think God's thoughts. And that's also how you forsake your thinking. <laughs> uh, James touches on this in James 1 verse 21. It says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted book, which is able to save your soul, so so is your mind. So <clears throat> you plant the Word of God into your mind. That's how you, you renew your mind. You plant it in there. You, it's, 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 it's hard to walk with God if you're not in the will of God. There's a, there's a mismatch there that is uh, not going not, not to work out. Prayers that are filled with God's thoughts confirm to him that you've received his word and that you keep it in your heart. And I think that's a very important uh, aspect, is that when we, when we include the word of God, and we'll touch on that in a minute, in our prayers, uh, you can quote God's promises or quote a passage of Scripture. And if you don't know it off by heart, you can read it from your Bible. No problem. Uh, the main thing is it needs to come from your heart. It's, it's not a magic wand that you're going to attract the attention of God with 
It, when you pray, you pour out your heart to God. It's not a ritual. It's, it's not something you recite, you know. It, it's terrible what the church has done with prayer and made it such a, a lifeless formality that has no meaning at all. God looks at your heart. And when we pray, we pour out our heart to him. That's what he's interested in. Even if you, you don't frame your sentences well, that doesn't matter because God knows your heart. But we're going to open it up uh, before him. Nothing builds confidence of a praying person as echoing God's word back to him. I, I think, it, you know, if you listen to somebody who prays the word of God and you just hear that scripture rolling, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You, you can sense the faith in that prayer. And I believe it's beautiful to God too. Just hearing the word coming back to him from our hearts. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 4 when he spoke to the woman at the well, uh, he said, the hour is coming, and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And we know that the word of God is truth. Uh, Jesus said so. There's a beautiful prayer <coughs> in John chapter 17. I will not go into that now. That's when Jesus prayed, just before he went to the cross. Very beautiful prayer. Uh, you just see the will of God. Uh, revealed to us in that prayer how God wants us to live and relate to one another and to him uh, in that prayer. Another scripture we keep on coming back to and will over and over and over again is John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Mm -hmm. See, when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. There are some things that you just don't need to pray about. You walk in that truth, it will make you free. The truth will keep you free. You know, another lesson that I learned just through my own studies of the Bible, I haven't read it in a book or learned from somebody else. I just found at some point uh, a, a prayers of Paul. And there's quite a few, some are a little longer than others, some, some just a one line or one verse. Uh, and I studied them and I found, and that's where I learned from Paul. Paul never, well there's no prayer of Paul in the Bible where he prayed about personal needs. Not one. Why not? He knew as a child of God that God was responsible for him. God would take care of him. He walked in that faith. Paul's prayers were all for the church. Every single one of them. And that is what's lacking in the world today is those prayers are not being prayed for the church. And you look at the church, I don't have to tell you. You look at the church at large and see what's going on. Uh, there was some minister today all over the internet. I, I don't know what his church background is. He's in one of the mainline churches because of his, the garb that he wears. And he said, on a video, he said, Jesus said, don't read the Bible. Oh, no. He said it. Don't read the Bible. The Bible is not for today. And he went on a whole long spiel there. And uh, yeah, so he, 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 is a, he is an official of the church saying stuff like that. See where the church is going. That's why I don't like See, deception, the, the deception among Christians come mostly from pulpit. Because we know not to believe everybody out there. We know that. But the devil has infiltrated 
with church. And then you have people say stuff like that. So, you know, and, and, and if we pray those prayers that we see in the Bible of Paul, we just come against that deception. And we uphold the church and you know, pray for it to stay in the truth of God and in the will of God and to be the church that God had in mind when he, when he started the church. Pretty bad stuff. So the promises of God uh, are his will for us and should be included in our prayers. And God made those promises to us because he loves us. And uh, it's, not, it's not a matter of reminding God as if he should forget the promises that he made. It is more a matter of taking hold of what God promised. Remember, prayer is often a, a, a struggle. It's a, it's a war that you fight. And those promises, we enforce them in our prayer and in, in, in faith. Martin Luther said uh, something that I found very true. He says, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his willingness. So there's a struggle there between our own mind and our natural thinking, our carnal thinking. There's an enemy out there who is, whose purpose and will is to rob us of the good things of God. And so with, with all, all of that, there's a struggle, there's a war going on. Sometimes that war is just inside of ourselves. And so it's a war that's going on. You, you come against your carnal nature and your carnal thinking. And you, you, you fight against that flesh until you gain the upper hand. And there's an enemy out there. And so speaking the word of God has tremendous power. Uh, remember, God created everything by his word. It's extremely powerful. And when we attach our faith to it, you, you, know, you have no idea what can happen. You're not praying in the wind, for sure. Uh, there's a psalm, a, a, a verse in Psalm 119 that says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever, it's not going to change. That's the sword of the Spirit, Paul says. It's the word of God. Okay, so just coming to the end here of this part. Prepare before you pray. Think about what you want to pray. See what the Bible says about it. See what the Bible says about it. Prepare your, prepare your prayer. You know, when you go in to see somebody, some very important person, and you, you have things to discuss, you prepare yourself. I'm going to say this and this and this. Uh, that's what you do when you go to God. You prepare yourself. You zoom in on his book. See what God says about this problem, this issue. And then prepare yourself when, uh, when you go to pray. Mention his promises. And uh, don't forget that God loves you and that he's able. Don't forget uh, as, Mar as that quote of Martin Luther says, we're not, God is not reluctant to give. But remember we read in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it's impossible to please God. So we take the word of God, we put our faith into it and we go to God with that request. And we go with confidence, right? We saw there in First John, this is the confidence we have. Confidence is faith. This is the confidence. So I'm, I, I'm not going to say now, if it is your will, because I know it's the will of God. I'm not going to say, if it is your will, because I first determined the will of God before I went to pray, right? 
I, I think sometimes when people say if the issue of will, they kind of slip a little bit of doubt in there. You know, I, I'm not sure if, if it is the will of God. Well, there are some things that God, and remember the Bible says God is not a man that you should lie. He's not a man that you should lie. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And uh, uh, he will do uh, what he said he would do. The only really missing link there is, can I believe it? And if I can, I go with confidence to him, not with doubt. James talks about that. He says, if you doubt, let's go with James chapter 1. Right at the end of your Bible, almost, after Hebrews. Hebrews, chapter 1. Now, James is a no-nonsense man. You'll, read it, you'll see it when you read that book. Let's read from verse 2. James 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Can you see that principle? Mm. <laughs> That's difficult. <laughs> That's not natural, right? No. Yay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Our, our elder son said he will never pray for patience. Yeah. Never. <laughs> and God will give you trial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so when we fall in trial, we know that the testing of our faith will produce patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that something? It, doesn't that change your prayer? Lacking nothing. All right. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we can pray for wisdom. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But we don't pray for faith. No, we don't faith pray comes for by faith. hearing the word of God, yeah. Romans 10. So, the more time... <coughs> in the Bible, the stronger our faith will grow. Faith comes by hearing. Yes. And hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God. So, you know, this is what God said. This is what God promised. So, I believe God. My faith is growing. I know it's the will of God because God said so. Mm. He promised it. It is His will. God will not make a promise that's against His will. That's His will. That's why He made the promise. And so, I'm building my faith now. I'm building my faith. The more I read, the stronger my faith will grow. I know how God thinks because I read about it in, in the Bible. And I'm building my faith and I come to a place where John said, if we, we go with confidence because we know we're asking according to his will. And so, the Word of God plays a major role in uh, our prayer lives. And we cannot separate our prayer from the Word of God. It, it's, it's, it's too close together, you cannot separate the two. And maybe greedy, who knows? You're, you're your nature, your old nature will come out and pray for things. So when Jesus said, 
uh, you will ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. It is when we're in him. So when we're in him and he is in us, all those carnal desires will fall away. And our, his will will become our will. The little test we need to do there when we pray about something and there's something that we need or want, uh, we need to search our hearts and just make sure that we we're in the will of God, that what we ask for is in the will of God. So that's why it's so very important that we really know the point. Yeah, so you, you, you read, you read, you read, read, and read and study. I was so blessed the other day, when uh, Ruth, and when you mentioned, uh, you know, um, Proverbs has 30 <coughs> And there's so much in Proverbs mm-hmm. for daily living. So I started now with every day has its own chapter mm-hmm. in Proverbs. That's apart from all the other Bible reading. And it is just amazing. I'm so blessed by that. That's um, where a lot of rehabilitative stuff out of those Proverbs. Yeah, yeah, it's totally amazing. Yeah. For every day living successfully, yeah, I heard somebody speak about that. I thought, huh. I mean, I didn't figure that out, but, mm-hmm. you know, the guy said, oh, there's 31 yeah, chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever other reading and studying that you're doing, try to read one the, cha- the day the that coincides with that day of the month. Yeah. And what I also do is I pray what I saw in that chapter. Mm-hmm. I pray that. I think that that's also a way that you can sit it in there, you know, not to forget it. Every time I, I've done this for months now, and every time I see something else, and I'm yeah. like, I know I've read this chapter before, but this didn't yes. speak to me like it is right, right yeah. now. Well, mm. That, that will yeah. happen all the time because you're getting deeper into it. Yeah. And the more you read, the more you will understand. You know, I've been reading the Bible for how long, and I still find new things. Mm. You know, so it, it is. There's, there's no there's no bottom to it. The depth of Scripture and the will of God and the Word of God is more than we can handle. We will never understand all of it. Yeah. So, yeah, we keep on reading, keep on reading. Uh, I, I read, I don't read verses, I read chapters. I, I almost want to say the one chapter is not always enough. No. <laughs> so, it's good to read quite a few because then you're going to see things in context, and then that's when you're going to discover things you never saw before. So uh, uh, the Word of God was given to us for a purpose, and uh, we cannot set it aside. You, you cannot do that, because God gave it for a purpose, and that purpose is to know it. God wants us to know His Word. He wants us to know his heart for us, his love for us. He wants us, and so uh, there's no way that you can set aside the Bible. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. You need to study and study. 